Ma- Maddie? What, what are you what are you doing? I'm praying. Uh, okay. Uh, I see that we're in the church. I, I kind of uh, knew that, but what, what what are you praying about? I'm praying that we get on the Apple podcasting charts. Oh, God. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> I'm going to keep praying, okay? You do it. You keep praying. Okay, you, you go ahead and do the episode. I'll okay. Join, I'll join you after I'm done praying. Okay, perfect. Okay, bye. Okay, well, we'll be right back with episode 16 of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. Get slayed. some bad hombres here and we're gonna get them out bing bing bong bong bing 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 i love china hi i'm jackie i just want them to suffer join Donald Trump on the Republican ticket because I believe he has the right leadership and the right vision to make America great again. Since 2017, a majority of Democrats turned into alt-left radical psychos. We'll get back to that later. I will build a great, great wall. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the freaking frog Well, amen. I'm going to preach the hell out of all of us. Hey, I I tell you right now, somebody said, who are you going to vote for? I ain't going to vote for a baby killer and a homosexual lover. You said, did you mean to say that? You better believe I did. God have mercy. It makes me puking sick. Hello, 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 and happy April 2019. Welcome back to Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. I'm Maddie. And I'm Andrew. And this is the podcast that talks about horror. Horror in real life and horror in the movies from an LGBT perspective. Uh, It's always fun bringing you folks a new topic every month. Uh, And this month, we are going to be talking about religion and violence God made me do it. Before we start all of that, we want to give a big shout out and hello to all of our new listeners on PodCoin. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, If you like what you're hearing, remember, you can always go straight over from PodCoin to Apple, and you can leave a little review there if you like. That wouldn't hurt us at all. Um, But beyond all of that, this is going to be a really great topic today. There's a lot to talk about with this, especially because um, there's so much damn bad news in the world that has to do with this particular topic with people using religion as a scapegoat for their own shitty misdeeds. (laughs) That's a good one way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's good. Uh, It's it's a very topical and unfortunately has always been topical. uh, This, this kind of use or I guess misuse of collective thought uh, being used against people. Right. It's really sad. 
So, um, you know, as usual with, with all of our shows, we, we do a horror in real life segment and then we do a horror in the movie segment. Um, we've got a couple of really great films picked out that mm-hmm. go right along with this. Yeah. Watching them back. I was like, man, we did pick some good ones for this. Well, and you know, if, uh, 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 we'll talk about both. You know, I was just telling Andrew that, um, the Sentinel, which we'll be talking about from 1977. God damn, that movie is so weird. <laughs> Jesus. Um, uh, and frailty, which we're going to talk about these, of course, but, um, I, I forgot how really great that film is. Yeah, I totally. really, really love it. But let's go ahead and dive into the horror and real life side. Yeah, definitely. So uh, let's start talking about some real life stories. Mm-hmm. And the first one that we're going to chat about is one that I'm sure is, pre- or it, it damn well should be, uh, fresh in the minds of all of our listeners. Right. And that's the recent uh, a, a terrible massacre in New Zealand in Christchurch. Um, and it was the shooting at uh, not one but two mosques in the city yep. of Christchurch in New Zealand. Dozens of people were killed. They were worshippers. Uh, they were all Muslims. Um, and it was a really uh, terrible and harrowing experience that wasn't just local to Christchurch, of course. It really was a global tragedy. And isn't it weird that we are, you know, last year we started this podcast in March. Yeah. Uh, and the first episode we talked about uh, the school shooting. The shooting at Parkland, and Florida at it, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. And, you know, we didn't do anything, really. I mean, we thought at the time that maybe the kids coming up and speaking mm-hmm. out would maybe change things. But sure. I haven't seen real change yep. as far as gun laws or anything like not. that. Um, what I do want to talk about is the reaction and uh, the positive that came out of the the deaths of these people yes. in New Zealand is that now uh, assault assault rifles are banned yeah. in New Zealand. And and, w- and what's even greater about about that particular point is that um, I mean yeah the the government did do it right mm-hmm, yeah. And, but the broad consensus from the the people of New Zealand was incredible. Yeah. And unlike the ridiculous fight that we have in this country about guns and about what kinds of guns you can have and this ridiculous notion that because we're America and we're the fucking land of the free or whatever the hell you want to call it, (laughs) that this is where you can have a fucking missile launcher if you goddamn well want to. Like, it's ridiculous. It's not happening there. In fact, in New Zealand, people went to the police and gave their guns up. Right. There are some great stories of, you know, old New Zealand farmers who are, you know, like pretty like masculine dudes, yeah, right? Yeah. Who were even they went and you know they're not Muslim, they're they're not they're not whatever, they're they're just you know normal Kiwis. They went and gave them up and said it's not worth it. It's called solidarity. It's not worth yeah. it. And, and I remember hearing, uh, I think it was in the days after the attack uh, on NPR, they had interviewed one of the gun shop owners. Yeah. And of course, you're thinking like, oh God, what is he going to say? Right. But he was like, no. As soon as I heard about it, even before the ban, I refused to sell anymore. Yeah. And I was like, see. It's, See, you know, I, I I wonder how much of it really ties into that whole just like troll culture that we're experiencing. Know. That is just like, you know, you you know this thing is wrong, but it's almost like they don't even give a fuck. It's just like all about how they control other people, and yeah. and it's and it's it's disgusting to me. And you know, at, on this show, you folks already know because you've been with us for for well over a year now. We take hard stances on things sometimes, and this is one I take a very hard stance on. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I take that hard stance because it's about people's fucking lives. Mm -hmm. And your, you know, your supposed right to own a firearm is not more important than my right to live. (laughs) And, you know, also we should talk about the guy that did this, Brandon Tarrant. Um, He's 28 years old. He's a white supremacist. 
he um, he identifies with this movement. Um, it's, it's escaping my brain okay. right now, but it's like it's like the white identify movement or whatever. It's based in Switzerland. Crazy white um, people movement. Yeah, <laughs> and what they believe, and this is obviously totally false, is that there's something called the Great Replacement that is happening. Okay, the Great Replacement is this uh, wackadoodle theory that white people are being replaced by immigrants. It's oh, stupid. I, I'm not even fucking going to go into it because it's, it's not even not worth, worth it's not it. worth your fucking time. <laughs> no. the, the important thing to know is that like there is just this stuff out there, and what's terrifying about it is that I, I listened to a, a podcast last week from um, from from it was either from Slate or from the New Yorker. I can't quite remember, but they uh, they actually talked to an ex white supremacist and they asked him how did you like how did you get into this like yeah. what was the thing what was the catalyst that made you go. And um, he said that he started watching YouTube videos. Oh, no. Started watching one YouTube video that just, for whatever reason, clicked for him. It just, like, made his brain think a little bit differently. Yeah. And then with the algorithm that, that appears now on, he gets on more pretty much everything, yeah. it just got more and it got more extreme and more extreme until he couldn't stop watching them. And, and then, then all of a sudden we didn't land on the moon and yep. Sandy Hook never happened. Honestly. And 9-11 never happened. Precisely. And, yeah. all, everything that you just said, he talked about that mm-hmm. stuff. And then, and then it just it just becomes a reality. To Spirals you. out of control. And so it's, it's, it's not hard to believe anymore in the um, I, I, we, we call it the middle ages of social media right now because we don't know fully what we're doing yet. There are many people that are trying to do really great things with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the meantime, the possibility to inject extreme beliefs and inject religious extremism and inject white supremacy and all the rest of it into very young minds, it's terrifying Definitely. what can happen. You can turn someone real quick. It's the truth. Thankfully, um, YouTube has taken a lot of measures to help pull down some of those more controversial ones. But, I mean, unfortunately, they didn't do that from the beginning. So what is out there was out there. Well, I'll I'll tell you this, too, though. There are new rules in place. So I don't know if you heard, but this week, New Zealand is also thinking about passing a law where on social media, if the owners and and the employees yeah, mm-hmm. don't pull down those videos, you get arrested yeah. and you go to jail. You're accountable for and it. And honestly, that makes sense. I think it's yeah. maybe a little extreme, but <laughs> that being said, like you have a duty. You know, it's just like you and I have a duty with this podcast. You know, people want to hear from us. We have a duty to give them quality information mm-hmm. that makes sense and that is real. And purveyors of such things also have a duty to make sure that what's on their site is real and yeah. not harmful. Well, and also, like, you can't just put anything up on the internet. Like, it's not... Ugh. You, you got to think. You got to think for a second. Yeah. And I think that that's taken all of us a little bit of time to kind of maneuver around. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you that we're, you know, this totally middle ages type yeah. of mentality because I think at the beginning of this whole social media, it was all... And this is a little bit off topic, but... um that social media was kind of like, oh, I can see what my friends are doing. Right. And, oh, look, they're they're going to the grocery store, or then and then it morphed into, yeah. oh, I'm going to take pictures of my food now, and then it and then it it took a dark turn to it where did. anything that you put on the internet, someone is going to come after you about it. Someone is going to find that little nugget of what you said yep. and be like, well, what about this? Yeah, and it just it it took a dark turn, and I think Agreed. that we're still recovering from that part of it. 
because I think people yeah. are getting a little tired of the negativity. I, I really do. I think that I think people so are, too. It's starting to turn a corner to where people I know are that like, I am. Yeah, where I'm just like, I don't want to do it anymore. Right. It's not worth it. You know, it's um, it's really easy to allow yourself to spend oodles of time get arguing up. and looking at comments and getting fired up and just really feeling it and going for it. Yeah. And then you know when when you're done and when you're still by yourself in your house. <laughs> And when you're still hungry and when you're still thirsty and when you're still alone and when you're still lonely, you realize at the end of all of it that it's just another thing that's sort of like an addiction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you've got to be careful with it and you have to take care of yourself. Use it for the ways that you want to use it, of course, but my God, be careful. But you you can't, if you're going to stew in negativity all the time, what is that quality of life for yourself? you're, You're making your own negative life. Right. Yeah. So, so that's New Zealand. I know yeah. that this is fresh in the minds of people, so we don't have to, you know, litigate this to, to the very end. Yeah. But, you know, it's important to note that this was a white supremacist who was out there doing something because he believed deeply that there is a real replacement going on by Muslims of white people. Um, Great. And so, what did he do? He <laughs> went and killed dozens of people, and he uh, also live broadcasted it at the same time. Wonderful. Yeah. Now you have a couple of stories. Yeah. So Let's I, talk about I. Those. You know, researched my little booty off and yeah. came up with a couple of stories that I thought fit this theme pretty well. Um, keep in mind, uh, when we do talk about these things, there is always an angle of um, mental, uh, mental mental health. health that I think works into it. So take that and take that as it is. Sure. Um, I, I don't think that we can really blame religion for everything. We it, it's only a, a, something that helps along right. sometimes. Um, but the first story that uh, I came across was about um, Isaiah Kalebu. Do you know this story? Uh, I, I remember hearing a little bit about it, but it's been a while. So, so tell us more. Um, he was convicted back in 2009 of breaking into a lesbian couple's house, uh, attacking them, raping one, and then killing the other. Uh, and then when he was in court, uh, he this was his defense. I And I quote... Uh, I was there and I was told by my God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to attack enemies. I followed the instructions of my God. And that is verbatim. So you can see that he was driven by a force to destroy this lesbian couple only because God told him to do it. Mm, It's infuriating. Yeah. It's infuriating. It's not great. Yeah, I'm sure God also told you to rape the woman too. You right, piece exactly. Of fucking garbage. Um, you know, there's so many things about that that are infuriating. Mm-hmm. Um, is is there more to the story? Well, the only thing that um, I will say is that his violence continued in the courtroom. Uh, by the end of the time that he was there, uh, he was strapped to a wheelchair and had to wear oven mitt type gloves so that he could not lunge out at anyone. Oh, my God. Um, and by the time he was convicted, because he was convicted of, like, aggravated assault, um, the, he's he's in for life. Yeah. Um, and uh, he also, the whole time, he had so many outbursts that by the time he was being convicted, uh, he actually had to watch his conviction from closed-circuit TV because he was no longer allowed in the courtroom. Disgusting. So that's, that's his story. <laughs> you know, um, the thing about it, is that if, uh, and we'll talk about this more after we talk about the next story too, when we have some, just some time to chat about this theoretically. But, you know, the, the thing is, is that like the way that that guy described why he was doing those crimes, mm-hmm. um, because they were God's enemies, right? Is that that, 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 uh, that idea, that concept 
comes from misinterpretations of holy scripture. Totally. And and it's it's like it's people that read religion for dummies <laughs> that ruin it. And you know the the entire American evangelical complex. Mm-hmm. You know those fucking people on TV like Joel Osteen and all the rest of them and those big mega churches all across the fucking country. They are poison. They are poison. They are poison. The Catholic Church is poison and it is evil. And it is evil, and I'll tell you why. Because not only do they just fucking hide child molesters all fucking day, <laughs> they also spend the rest of their time making sure that they create theology, that they create religious concepts and thought that are all about LGBT people being sinful and bad. Mm-hmm. And that guy didn't just pull that out of his ass one day. Right, right. He learned it or over was time. And, 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 and was probably fed it. You're mm-hmm. absolutely right. I was fed it for a while to myself. Well, yeah, that's the part of religion that, um, that, I, that irks me, is that most people are not taking time to actually like research their Ugh. religion and you know actually think about it and how they fit into that religion. It's all about what you're being told. Yeah. And that can be twisted. Without that can be doubt. twisted to, by anyone and anything. Think about anyone that's made you do something and then afterwards you were like why did i even do that yeah, like and i'm real. talking about like more innocent things but like why did i say it that way or why do i believe it that way you know you know f- funny enough on the way here today i took an uber mm-hmm. and my my driver uh was serbian okay. and so i i knew it from his name and so i'm i'm croatian and we started chatting and he was around my age and, you know we talked about how when we both grew up you know he grew up in serbia and sure. I, I grew up in america of course and we both talked about how our parents told us when we were young he, they told him, you hate Croatians. They told me, you hate Serbians. Yeah. And we both believed it. Right. Like, I, when I was growing up, I hated Serbian people and I had no idea why. Right. Besides that, my dad told me. You were me just told to. to. You know what I mean? You do these things because people tell you and that's what happens. And then when terrible shit happens, we wonder why. Yeah. This is the reason why. Well, and also, like, they also then can use God or religion yeah. to then strengthen that message. It's and ridiculous. so like people can say, Oh, I did it because my, you know, I, my pastor told me to, or my reverend or my, you know, Muslim leader or whoever, like whatever religion you are following that can be twisted. And I want you to think about that really hard when yeah. people tell you things that you are allowed to have your own interpretation. My God, yes. So, Absolutely. And I will say, like, there's a lot of, and I don't think that we're condemning religion whatsoever. I think that religion brings together communities that, that that wouldn't necessarily come together in some cases. And I think it's a really great thing. I'm talking about when people use it for evil. Precisely. Yeah. Now, what was your next story? So, yeah, my other story, it, it goes a little bit further back. This is from the mid-80s. Does it also involve religion? <laughs> uh, I think so. Oh, my dear. <laughs> I don't know why I went British there for a second. I don't know either, but it works, yeah. whatever. Um, uh, this is uh, Reverend Michael Bray. Have you ever heard of this guy? Um, just just briefly. Um, I, re- I remember his last name for yeah. sure. So we did look it up, and he was um, American Lutheran, mm-hmm. um, which we found out no longer exists. So. Yeah, and you know, for people that don't know about it, like the, the Lutheran church uh, across the world really has, has multiple synods. The one, if you're in America, the one that you're probably the most familiar with is the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, ELCA. ELCA is super progressive, mm-hmm. really great people, like very liberal. They're like a liberal as like the Episcopalians and everybody else. So that's in stark contrast sure. to what this guy what was, this guy which was, was American Lutheran, yeah. which is one of the most conservative synods, which actually doesn't even exist anymore. It didn't even survive 30 years yeah. because it was a pile of bullshit. <laughs> so tell me more about this dude. So 
the the good reverend uh he was very against abortion uh so much so that in 1984 uh he and his accomplice firebombed and burned down seven different abortion clinics in the in the pacific not pacific in the northeast in the new england in new area. england yeah um he was convicted um as a terrorist did people die um no it was always at night when no so one was, was there, there. Okay. they were just he, but he did cause over a million dollars in damages so take that as and and broke those businesses it's i mean the, those businesses did not recover after it's that it's fucking insane um and then he was convicted in 1985 but he only served get this he only served he was sentenced to 10 years he only served 46 months <laughs> wait so, wait how long is that 46 months, 12, 24, three years, 30, 36, like four, four years. So it's like, it's like, it's like three, it's like three years and some change. You know, we don't do math on the show. Why do you? It was, it was, it was less than 10 years, people. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he was actually interviewed on Nightline uh, years later, and he was actually accused of being the author of an underground manual called The Army of God. Oh um, this manual called The Army of God uh, provided detailed instructions for various forms of destruction and sabotage aimed at abortion facilities. Um, he did not say that he was the writer of this, but he would not say that he wasn't. Um, so take that for what it's worth. It's disgusting um, on so would, many levels. That he would provide a manual to people and say, I'm the good reverend. Here's my manual for burning yeah. down abortion clinics. And you know what? Here, here's another hard stance um, for our listeners. Uh, look, if, if, um, if, if you had a problem with abortion, you've got a problem with me. Like, it's ridiculous. It, it, you have no right to tell anybody that they can't do it. It is not what anybody tells you that it is in the fucking church. It is not ending a life. It is. Uh, it it makes me so angry because I have I have you know more than a few dear girlfriends mm-hmm. who have had abortions, and we don't want them to be vilified for that. Yeah, and the the very idea that they're like having some kind of fucking party after they go have one. Or like, you know, jumping for high heavens and like fucking like getting wasted right after. Like, fuck you, man. Right. You have no idea what people go through when they make that decision. Right. For a number of fucking reasons. And it's ridiculous uh, that that they are vilified for it. Mm -hmm. And it's ridiculous that there are new crazy laws being passed right now in this country. Still. Because it's Handmaid's fucking tale now about um, how long women will go to jail now in certain states if they have abortions. There's a recent law that just got passed, I can't remember where, but, um, but where you now have to decide if you have an abortion whether the, uh, the fetus will be uh, cremated or buried. You have to make that decision. Weird. It's, it's awful. Don't like that. Well, just to go back to a little bit more about Bray and his uh, continued, because he's, yeah. he's still going today. Uh, and he, Oh, he's not dead? No. Oh, I thought he was dead. No. Um, he is also the leader of the defense action movement or an, a leader, I guess I should say he's not the leader. Damn. Um, uh, the he, defense action movement, Damn. Know, which justifies the use of violence, um, in anti-abortion activities. Uh, um, he's also, uh, the, he's the spokesperson for activists that have killed people in inside and outside of abortion clinics over the years. He's an all around horrible guy and he's also a reverend. So it's all in the name of God. And it's all, it's all uh, tax exempt too. Um, <laughs> That's a good way of, putting it. you know, he is a piece of garbage. Um, you know, listeners to our show will know that I am actually a, 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 a practicer of, uh, 
of religion and a, a particular community of faith here in Chicago um, that has really enriched my life yeah. and enhanced my life and lives of my friends and family in, in manifold ways. And I have a very complex theology that I will tell you about online if you want to chat with me sometime. <laughs> I just want to cite my references. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah no, 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 please, please, please. I'm just sorry, in sorry. Case, and just in case people want to yeah, learn yeah, yeah, more yeah. about no, this no, guy, because we don't have time to I can, go into I can everything. ramble more. Um, so the, the book that I got this from, it's called Terror in the Mind of God, The Global Rise of Religious Violence. Mm. And the author is Mark Hergensmeyer. It's, wow. very, Ger- it's very German name. Um, but, you yeah. know, that actually, that sounds very Lutheran. Oh, okay. Interesting. Sure. Um, yeah, so, you know, and thank you for that. Those, those yeah. were good stories. Thanks. Um, I mean, you're not good. You know what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm a, a person of faith. Um, like I said, very complex theology. It's, it's not what you're thinking. It's not cookie cutter at all. Um, and I can tell you that, like, not all not all faith communities are like that. No, um, of course not. And, uh, you know, what you said earlier on in the show, that religion brings people together, that, you know, th- there, there's a lot of really great things about religion and religious communities. Um, and there are a lot of bad things about it, too. And, you know, you have to take the good with the bad sometimes, but you don't ever have to accept the really, really bad and, you know, I know right now that there are people listening to this show right now mm-hmm. who are having issues with that. I'm sure. And yeah. who are really struggling with it or they have family Especially members. Especially in the LGBT community. Without a doubt. Um, you know, I know for me and for my own journey as an LGBT person, I, I was raised Catholic my entire life. Um, and then uh, about 11 years ago, I became an Episcopalian. And I remember making that switch. And uh, I made the switch because I could no longer... Uh, justify yeah i could no longer justify like this terrible catholic teaching that yeah. i was like disordered and you know when i died i was going to go to hell which i don't even believe in anymore great you know like <laughs> that 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 just couldn't jive with me and so i just want to say if you're listening to this now and you're having you know trouble with a with a, a religious community or your family or whatever i just want you to know that like there are other things out there for you yeah if you, if you want to stay in religion you don't have to but if you want to you can. You can really like claim and it doesn't matter what you are, if you're Muslim, if you're Jewish, if mm-hmm. you're if you're Christian, if you're I don't know, Zoroastrian, whatever the yeah. fuck you want to do. Like you can do whatever you want to do. Find your people. Do it. I did. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. I love doing it. It it like I said, it enhances my life. And the only reason why religions even stick around is because for the practitioner, it enhances their lives. It makes it better in some way. Otherwise, why the fuck would you do it? Yeah. So if it doesn't do that for you, get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Get rid of toxic people in your life. Get rid of toxic practices. Get rid of things that make your life shitty. Don't do it. It's not worth it. And as for these fucking people that we talked about today, religious extremism is a bunch of fucking bullshit. Right. Terrorism <laughs> is awful. And you should be ashamed of yourself for doing it. Yeah, because you're taking something Ugh. that people you're taking something that people really love and really take seriously and really put it as a part of their lives if they're, you know, a religious person. And then yeah. you're you're putting a stigma behind it that, you know, that you're now a one-way conduit to what is right, and you're not right, and it's awful. Yeah, you're you're not right, and and the other thing too that I would I would empower people to do here is to tell people that they're not right. Yeah, don't like don't you, troll you, them, but sit yeah, them down you know, and like I mean, actually you know, explain it. I troll sometimes, but that's <laughs> I'm just an asshole sometimes. You know me, but but the thing is, like you know, feel empowered to say things. Like don't you don't have to sidestep your fucking crazy brother-in-law or your shitty uncle. Um, because of religion, like mm-hmm. if they're wrong, you can just flat out fucking say like, you're an asshole for saying that. <laughs> yeah. And it's not true. 
And I know that it's not true, and I don't need that in my life anymore. Yeah, religion was not meant to turn people against each other. Right. It was meant to bring people together. And so if you're using anything in religion to persecute anyone, and I'm not just talking about LGBT people, I'm talking about women, I'm talking about your neighbors, I'm talking about everybody. If you're using religion to put down other people, you're doing it wrong. Completely agree with yeah. you. And, you know, there is... um. There's a really great book. If you're into reading very long, boring things, which I actually am, <laughs> there's a great book called Fields of Blood. It should, it should uh, you know, uh, sound like a great title to most horror fans out there. Uh, but Fields of Blood is a history of religion and violence. It's by an amazing author named Karen Armstrong. She's British. She's actually a former uh, Catholic nun. Oh, uh, interesting. Turned, turned agnostic. Cool. Um, she's written a number of books. One of the books that you might have seen uh, is uh, it's called A History of God. It's probably her most famous book. Okay. She's an amazing author, really erudite, uh, very academic, but also writes in a way that you can really understand. Cool. This book is long. It, it makes the point over and over and over again that religion isn't violent. People are. Mm -hmm. And they use religion as a scapegoat for all the shitty things that they do. I like that. And when it comes down to like not just personal violence, but also like collective violence, mm -hmm. when we think about war, we think about things that the nations do in the in this world. It's not about fucking like do you think ISIS is fucking about religion? Right. It's not. But fucking, do you think do you think Nazism is about religion? Yeah, it was no. never about that. Like, come it, on. It's it's about power, it's about money, it's about territory, and it's about control. Which and are all people things. Exactly. <laughs> and 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 for ISIS, they just happen to have this thing called Islam that they can pervert and they they can take the scriptures from Muhammad mm -hmm. and that they can make it go right along with the shitty things that they want to do, which include raping women and having tons of wives and just a bunch of bullshit and killing people. And like that's that's absolute bullshit. Do you think fucking Muhammad, who right. loved his <laughs> who loved his mother more than anything in the world, who saw the the plight of poor people uh, in Mecca, who had a deep understanding for social justice? If anyone thinks that Muhammad wanted ISIS to be around today, you're a dick. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, go fuck yourself and go read a goddamn book and go to college and take a class. Do some research, people. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> that was very passionate. I'm, like, <laughs> sweating under my arms right <laughs> now. Fine. Okay. All right. I think that will wrap up our horror in real life <sighs> segment. God if damn. there is anything we talked about that you want to talk to us about more, reach out to us on social media. How do they do we're that? Happy. We're on uh, Twitter at Frag A13. Mm -hmm. uh, search for us on Facebook. And we're on Instagram at Frag A13 as well. So there you go. And you can contact us on our website, Frag A13 at gmail.com. But uh, we will take a short break and come right back with What You Been Watching, Bitch. Well, what You Been Watching, Bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, welcome back. We are here to talk about what we've been watching. So if you've never been here for what you've been watching, bitch, it's literally what I just said. We, exactly. We talk about... <laughs> I did that backwards. Whoops. Anyway. I, I started laughing there, too. Sorry, folks. Uh, do you, what you've been watching, bitch. Would you like me to go first, or would you like to go first? I'll go first. Okay. I'll go first? Okay. Yeah. Um, so... Um, as our listeners generally know, I usually watch non-horror things all the time. So I'll tell you about the non-horror things. Talk about the right nerdy now, things right? you've been watching. So um, I recently just watched a really great PBS special um, from Secrets of the Dead, which is actually I think it's probably pretty. Um, 
that's probably pretty relevant to most people out there. You want to learn about dead people stuff. Wait, what? What's the title? It's, it's Secrets of the Dead. Okay, it's, okay. It's, it's a PBS series, oh, and they talk about it. dead okay. people. Okay. And they talk about dead people. Um, this particular <laughs> dead people thing was about um, King Arthur and dead people in England. Um, and it's um, this this professor. She uses archaeological discoveries to like piece together this turning point in like the history of Britain. And the key to her quest is the excavation of a stone palace in Cornwall, long believed to be the birthplace of King Arthur. So it's super boring. I think I just fell asleep. For I know, a right? But but if you're like me, like on a Saturday, you just got to watch some shit. I watched it. It was so good. I loved it. It was like three hours long. It was lovely. Oh my god! It's no, really, it's really like good. everything I hate. It's really really good. So watch that. Cool. Secrets, the secrets of the dead i won't but i hope some of our listeners yeah, will. absolutely right um i have again been doing some of my catch-up and i watched winchester which mm. is the helen mirren horror i have not movie. seen that yet but i know it um i would say go in cautiously it's yeah. not a bad movie and mm. it's actually filmed really well i love the story um i no, i'm a huge winchester mystery yeah, I've, house I've always like, been fanatic I just saw the previews for it when it was going into the theaters, and I was like, that doesn't look very good. Yeah. Um, but it came on on demand on like HBO or something, so we yeah. finally sat down and watched it. It's a weird movie. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give the ending away, but let's just say how the ghost was killed is how they solve it. Huh. It's very strange. Um, I would say it's That's weird. A, I would say it's like a five out of ten. It's like right in the middle Ugh. because Helen Mirren and. Um, Jason Clark, I think is his oh, name. Okay. The guy who's in Pet Cemetery. Yeah, sure. He they they both do a great job with what they're what they've been given. I mean, she but, can do a great job with the fucking like Bible. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's it's not great. And it's that kind sucks. of it's kind of upsetting because that story's really cool. I think it's I think it's an incredible and and uniquely American ghost story. And I wish they would have just done like a bio biopic type mm. of thing where they just followed the story of like what she went through and how the house got built, but it kind of picks up after she's already built the house. You know what's interesting too that I just thought of? Yeah. We, we were just talking about like gun control. Like what there needs to be somebody needs to use the Winchester story for like gun control stuff. Well, I mean, that's part of what they try to do in this movie. Oh really? Whether it's successful or not, I'll leave that to you. Okay. Well, you know what? I'll watch it. Yeah. I'll watch it. It's not sure. horrible. Yeah. It's just not like the mm-hmm. best thing in the world. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I watched uh, The Case Against Adnan Syed on HBO. Um, okay. If you know the Serial podcast, um, this was the the first series. Only like the most popular podcast. Exactly. But sure. <laughs> right. I'm sure that you've all listened to it. Um, it's it's really good. Um, you know, if, if you listen to Serial to, to that first season um, and the subsequent seasons, which are also good, um, season two a little less so. Uh, but uh, this is, it's not just a rehashing of it at all. It's really not. Um, it does give you a whole lot of new information because, it's, okay. you know, a lot has happened since since the podcast ended. Um, and it's it's really um, it's 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 quite emotional. You know, thinking back to the podcast, sometimes with a, a long series podcast, it can be hard to remember everything. This makes it a little bit easier because it's visual for one thing. OK, so, you know, you, you get to meet his family and, yeah. and you meet his mom who has, you know, who gets leukemia in the midst of the story. Um, you 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 see more of Adnan's uh, photos. You learn a lot more about Heyman Lee. Okay. Um, so it's it's really worth it. Um, it's uh, I, I'm not gonna lie, like everything that I've been doing this past couple weeks has seemed sad to me. Um, but <laughs> but it's 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 sad. Yeah. You know, I think anything about the American justice system is generally going to be a little depressing. So sure. if you're not in a great place, maybe don't watch it right now. Go outside oh, okay. and get some sun. But. Um, you know, when you're ready for it, I'd say watch it. It's, okay. It's very much worth it. 
Um, I went back in time for my next pick because there's a lot of um, 80s slashers and 80s movies that uh-huh. I just haven't seen because either A, I didn't know they existed, or B, I just have put them off because yeah. there's so much content out there. But uh, late last week, I went down the uh, Amazon rabbit hole because mm-hmm. I'm telling you guys right now, if you have Amazon Prime, their uh, 80s collection and 70s collection mm-hmm. of horror movies is really extensive right now. So go take a look. But I watched um, 1981's A Final Exam. Oh, okay. Have you ever heard of Final Exam? I think I've heard about it. I know I've never seen it, though. It's uh, lauded as um, one of the first movies that you, in the slasher genre, that the killer is anonymous. Like, huh. it has nothing to do with the group of kids okay. that are being killed. Yeah. But the one thing that I thought was inter- very interesting about it, and the one thing I wanted to bring up on here, is that there is a staged school shooting in oh, this movie. God. But it turns out that it's a fraternity prank. Oh, my God. So just think about that, 1981, hmm. and think about it now and how that just wouldn't play the same. That's so strange. It's, it's a, it's a, it was a very jolting when it happened in the movie. Wow. But, and then when you find out it's fake, you're like... Not a great prank, guys. No, that's that's, but, that's that's really weird. Um, the movie's okay. I mean, it, yeah. it suffers from being an '80s movie where it's a little slower than what we're used to in modern right. modern day. But I'd say the last like 30 minutes is pretty pretty fun. Well, okay. Yeah. Final so, exam. Yeah, check it out. Um, and I think our last one here is something that we both went and saw. Guess what it is, everybody? <laughs> we went and saw Jordan Peele's us yes us. We did. us um, we saw it and i know what you're saying you're probably saying oh, i haven't seen it yet don't tell me about it so we're not going to give away any no spoilers. spoilers all we're going to do is say what we thought about the movie yeah um for me i really liked the movie um what i am challenging jordan peele to do in his subsequent uh movies is give us a horror movie don't mm. don't weave in comedic like like, I, I really liked the movie. I thought the tonal shifts in how there was comedy weaved in... I know what you're saying. ...took yeah. away from some of the scares. I get it. So, that's my only thing. Other than that, great performances. Yeah. Solid story. Yeah. I have a lot of questions. Sure. But I still really enjoyed it. Yeah. I I, I really enjoyed it, too. Um, I, um, I, I'm going to keep it focused on to what I think right now. Um, so... I, I think that it's a really great movie about America and uh, just like with Get Out. And I think that, um, you know, one of my friends, uh, her name is Lindsay on Facebook. Uh, she's a person of color and she she was talking about the movie shortly after seeing it. And um, something that she said really struck me, um, especially as a person of color. She said, you know, the movie, she was like, oh, this is really great. I really loved yeah, it. And yeah, she yeah. was like, and she's like, and guess what? That family could have been any color and this movie would have worked. And I really agree with her mm-hmm. because I think that while the movie is implicitly also about race, I think what the movie is about, and I'm not going to give anything away for you, but it's also about class. It's, it's about class, this movie. And that's an incredibly important conversation happening in America right now and one that I think uh, needs to continue. So just like what I, how I think Get Out was about race, mm-hmm. I think Us is about class. And I think that the, the, the very title of the film speaks to uh, the importance that Jordan Peele is putting on that yeah. for an American conversation. I, I have not heard good things about Twilight Zone so far. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pissed about Twilight Zone because I'm not, I'm, not I'm, I'm not paying you CBS. I'm not paying CBS. I think it's no. absolutely ridiculous. I did it once for Star Trek that yeah. you 
Star Trek thing, and it sucked. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not doing, doing that again. So, I, no. I am standing up to a lot of these streaming services. We take hard stances <laughs> on this show, and that's one of them. And I'm not doing it, CBS. Um, and the, you know, the only other thing that I would say about, about us two is, you know, I have read, and once again, I'm not giving anything away, but I have read some shitty reviews out there and yeah. like i am not living for it man i'm not living for there, that i really do think there are people out there though that once something is so positive they like feel this like innate need oh, to find yeah. negative but what about this yeah and like the thing about it too like we talk about movies all the time of course like i got some news for you i actually don't give a flying fuck what you think about the movie <laughs> if you want to talk to me about what a movie means if you want or to talk what it to means about, to you. Or what it means yeah. to you, even. That, that's great. If you want to talk to me about what a movie does, if you want to talk to me about what the movie is, great. But I don't care if you liked it or you didn't. I honestly don't. That's fair. You know, like, give me something. Like, dig in. Have a moment to listen to a story. Yeah. Yeah, I get I'm it. sweating again. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's, Very worked up today, people. Um, Very worked up. So, yeah. Uh, I, all I'll say to Jordan Peele is you better be careful with my candy man. Because... That's one when of it, when does that come out? I think I don't even think he started filming it. I think it's just cast announcements have been made. I'm excited for it. I am hesitant. Yeah. Cuz Candyman is literally top 5. Right. So, we'll see. You know, can I just say one more thing by the way? It, it really I mean, is just it's, it's, just it's one. It's our more. podcast. Yeah, yeah so. fair enough. <laughs> um, I just want to say something to people that go see a film on opening night because I really love to go opening night because I'm so excited to like actually just like see the movie right I away. I just sometimes can't. I know, and it drives me nuts when I do it every time. And this is the reason why. So yeah, there are some comedic parts in us, mm-hmm. but not that many. No, and opening night audiences, sweet Jesus, you laugh so much oh see and i I'm just i want to remind you out there that guess what sometimes you laugh not because it's funny you laugh because you're uncomfortable yeah and all i'm asking people to do i'm not even like telling you i'm not yelling at you i'm not mad at you i'm just i'm offering another way to view things and that is this take a breath and maybe like think about why you feel uncomfortable sure you know what i mean that's all. Usually, I'm not. That's why I, I go. Uh, as, that's why I go with the grandpas. I know, at like, like the Sunday at like ten a.m. on Sunday. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm not angry at you if you do this. I'm just saying. I'm just offering you another way to enjoy a film. That's all I'm trying to do. Cool. That's well, it. speaking of film, get off my lawn. <laughs> speaking of film, uh, we will be right back with our first pick for horror and media. The Sentinel. With, oh, oh, we're just gonna. Okay, the Sentinel. It was 1977. It's one of the nicer tree line blocks in New York. And only 20 minutes from the center of town. Oh, and just around the corner, there's a supermarket. And the cleaners. That's Father Harron in 5A. He's blind. Blind? Well, then what does he look at? There is danger everywhere. There is evil. Evil everywhere. Turn around, Allison. Look behind you. There is horror. There is darkness. I think Allison may die. But watching, waiting, warding off evil, there is hope. The Sentinel. Welcome back to Friday the 13th Horror Podcast, and we are back with our Horror in Movies segment. Yay! We're talking about uh, two films today that have to do all with religion and violence, your favorite topics. Um, So start praying, because we're going to (laughs) start talking about 1977's The Sentinel. 
um, which I've already told uh, Andrew is a very weird movie. We're going to talk all about it yeah. today. I got lots to say about this. Oh, one. yeah, tons. Yeah. You know, one question that, well, no, no, no. Sorry, let's just do a synopsis. Yeah, totally. Yeah, just go, take it away. Okay, so 1977's The Sentinel, directed by Michael Winner. The synopsis goes, not ready for marriage, a fashion model moves into an unbelievably cheap Brooklyn Heights apartment, where weird occurrences turn into much more frightening turn of events. The cast is... uh kind of crazy star-studded people that were in it uh so your your main two cast are um christina Raines and chris sarandon in the leading roles but some notable cast in here are uh let's see a very ava, young uh jeff goldblum for one jeff thing. goldblum ava gardner um let's see jerry orbach christopher walken burgess meredith yeah there's a lot tons so, yeah so let's talk about it um man you so, know what one thing that i thought right yeah. off the bat is um the movie is a little jalo here kind of you yeah know what kind I, mean? of. I really was thinking Thank about goodness that a lot. it's a lot shorter than most of oh movies. yeah um and i i really did think too that i i, I wonder if uh luca guadagnino uh watched this film when oh, he was when he was that. thinking about some different elements for the the suspiria remake a reboot pardon me um, or what do we call that? We call it a reboot. It's not a remake. Reboot. It's a reboot. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there were there were elements there that I just thought were really uh, similar. I also thought of James Wan in the Insidious series. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot in there that that, that could that. be taken from this. There is literally one part in this movie where it's the first time that she sees her dead father and he's standing in silhouette behind her. And I'm like, that is literally from insidious. That's a really good point. So I, Um, I'm not saying he copied, but maybe there's just some um, stuff in there. And while we're talking about comparisons, a lot of stuff from Rosemary's baby right here. Well, it's it's, the same, same era. You know, it came a little later, but I think this is where we start to see the repeating of Mm -hmm. some of the um, notions. And even the exorcist in some ways too, that first opening shot, shot where it comes down onto new york you yeah. know it, it it really reminded me of that shot in the exorcist where it comes over georgetown and goes yeah. into the campus and you see the film being shot um interesting stuff and then and then in the sentinel you see that very young jeff goldblum oh, i know as a photographer it's it's it's, it's so it's, funny it's almost jarring too i know because you're like wait a minute wait, is that, that, that is jeff goldblum? Yeah. that is okay perfect um the uh i love the beginning of this movie where she's just going on all of her looks yes, you know like oh I, I know i love like there, there's a part of me that loves that whole like fashion model thing, especially in the '60s and oh, '70s. Yeah. You know, like when it was like new. Yeah, I don't know. It's just there's something's very nostalgic about it, and all the clothes are very '70s, and all the aesthetics are very '70s, and the city is very '70s. Oh, I know. It's it's, it's lovely to see uh, a New York that was still dirty. Yeah. Um, I mean, in a lot of ways, New York is still very dirty. No offense to our New York listeners, um, but your city does smell like urine quite often. <laughs> you don't um, have alleys you're right exactly um it's very where weird. do you put your garbage they, they it literally goes right on the the front um the front Stupid. sidewalk it's it's strange but anyways um it's the i think that the city itself is you know sort of a very minor character here um and it's it's just i don't know it's lovely to see just like new york the way that it used to be yeah you know and so we meet our our main girl and she is not ready for marriage she's insane to chris what is her name oh god i just threw down the paper uh it's okay the the, the main girl 
Christina Raines is, is is the actress's name, but I cannot remember her name for the life of me right now. Hold on, I'll get it. Okay. Just talk. I mean, I guess I could also just look up IMDb. You know, we just do things the hard way here because we love you so much. I really like physical paper, yeah. so I print everything. Yeah. I know it's bad for trees. We love a good challenge. Okay. So what's her name? Her name is Allison. Allison Parker. That's like the easiest name. <laughs> her name is Kathy. Um, okay, Allison. Yeah. And so. Chris Sarandon is Michael. Yeah, the shifty lawyer. Yeah, which um, I don't know about you, but I've had a crush on Chris Sarandon ever since Fright Night. So seeing him even younger, I was yeah. like, yeah, pencil, pencil mustache, love but, it. You know, the, um, the, the connections here with uh, what we've been talking about today mm-hmm. you know, are, are uh, pretty obvious. Um, there, there are some, some fairly disturbing things in, in the movie. Um, well, we should talk about kind of the, the overall. Yeah. Yeah. Let's so do that first. it's basically her story about how she's not quite ready to get married yeah. because, um, she had an incident where she walked in on her father, uh, having an affair with two other women. Let's call it what it is. It was an orgy. Yeah. It was a satanic orgy. It was very weird. Um, uh, I, honestly, that that scene is disturbing. Is is disturbing because they're like um, maniacal laughing and yeah. And well, and, and when she walks in, like he like he he grabs the cross off of her. She's wearing a cross necklace. Yeah. He grabs it off and slams it on the floor and yeah, it's is very like, strange. He he's not himself. Mm-hmm. Like it's. Uh, it's like he's possessed. It's like he's possessed. Yeah. And then she, in turn, tries to commit suicide. Yeah. Chris Sarandon is kind of that confidant she's had since that incident. So she wants to strike it out on her own before she says 100 to getting married to, yeah, her, to right. him. Uh, so she is out looking for apartments. She can't find anything because everything's too expensive in New York. And impossibly, she finds this furnished grand apartment complete with like artwork and everything and neighbors galore <laughs> and it's only four hundred dollars a month oh my god or what does she say she says it's five hundred dollars a month she's like oh it's four hundred dollars a month and she's like oh okay okay that was that was really easy um but there is another reason she's been placed in this house and it has yeah. to do with the fact that she tried to commit suicide oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that where this house spoiler alert from 1977 if you haven't seen it is a quote-unquote kind of gate to hell it's a gateway to hell and there is a priest that has been positioned at the top of the the, on the fifth floor and it's literally his job just to sit there and make sure that no evil spirits get out of the house and to be Voila, the Sentinel. the Sentinel. Which, if I guess, if I was religious, I may have put two and two together earlier. But um, did you figure out the ending? Um, I figured it out uh, like closer to the not, ending. Yeah, not not as soon as you might think. Yeah. Um, I just didn't know in in you knowing scripture so much better than yeah. me. I didn't know what a sentinel was. Well, there's not a whole lot of scripture in the movie. Yeah, um, no, I'm just talking about like the actual term. No, 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 no yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like even that, like there's no like there is no like biblical story of like I mean there is no gateway to hell. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, even in like in like biblical uh, thought. So like in the Bible, there is no gateway to hell. Like hell exists as, as an entirely different realm. I think what the movie does really rely on is is uh, Dante. It relies on 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 uh, purgatorio and on on the inferno yeah because what we haven't thought talked about yet is that in some cases she has neighbors yes and then in some cases she doesn't they come and go it's almost like 
there's a a veil that is lifted and then yeah. the, the neighbors are there and then the veil is put back down and everything looks like it's been abandoned yeah, for years. So when this chica thinks she's got like there's like neighbors like having a party, she like gets blindfolded. They have a, they have a birthday party for a yeah, cat. It's going for a birthday party for a fucking cat. And so then but these neighbors they just party all the time, right? Yeah, I love the line black and white cat, black and white cake. <laughs> oh my god. It was it's very weird. And so she goes to see the realtor who uh, got her the apartment for coffee. Um, and she's like, um, yeah, God, I just can't get any sleep. And my work is suffering for it. And it's the neighbors. They just, they're up all the time. And the realtor's yeah. like, uh, actually, miss, yeah. there hasn't been anybody living there in for three years. 3,000 years. Yeah. So like, you know, then you find out, you're like, oh, my God, no, it's ghosts. Yeah. I know it. Yeah. Um, one thing about the film, too, is like when things like this happen, it really is the age of like f- movie scores. Sure. So the music in this it's movie like is really intense. Like it's, it is like a full fucking orchestra. I liked it, though. Oh, yeah. No, it, was, it, it you, you never hear that anymore. You know what I mean? So it was interesting to really hear again. Yeah. Um, I this is the first time we've ever done a seventies movie. Is it? Yeah, we should do more. I think that I think, I think we should do more. Yeah. Um, there are some things that I do have a problem with mm-hmm. that I, that I want to talk about. I think that um the way I, I was really trying to get down to it this morning of what is this film actually about? Yeah, you know what sure. I mean. Like, what is this thing about? Um, you know, is it about women? Is it about the devil? Is it about religion? Is it about this or that or whatever? And I, you, know, it, 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 it's a lot about a lot of things, but it's about suicide for sure. Yeah. And I really have a problem with, um, with sort of like one of the, um, one of like the main plot points, which is, uh, the, the, one of the priests tells her, uh, he says, your soul that is doomed for your attempted suicides can be saved if you become the sentinel basically. Yeah. And I just have a severe problem with that. Well, um, I think it goes back to what we were talking about before. Yeah. Like, oh, you're going to twist those words now. Exactly. <laughs> to say that now I have to be the eternal servant of God. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, I mean, you know, it's the 70s. This is early. I mean, this wasn't a very experienced horror director. Yeah. So, like, I guess I get it. And, and I, I have not read the book either, no, obviously. Um, so, I don't know how the book deals with it. But I... And, and once again, it's the 70s. It's not today. Yeah. So, like, sensitivity is an entirely different thing. But yeah. obviously, in today's world, we have a sensitivity problem there because, you know, committing suicide isn't, it's bad, but it's not wrong. Yeah. And it's certainly not like a religious thing. Like, but once again, like we were saying earlier, somebody who tells you that it is, you can go fuck yourself because <laughs> you don't understand mental health or depression. Um, just to round out the, the rest of our plot yeah. is that. Uh, we find out that because of her attempted suicide, she now has to become the sentinel because the other sentinel is getting ready to like retire or die or, or, or whatever, whatever. Yeah, you're not totally um, sure. And so they, there's, there's a battle happening to where the, the religious part of it, the Catholic church in this case need her to become the, the sentinel. So they're manipulating her into going into this house to kind of staying there and, that then there's the other side. There's the dead people that want to get out, and they are trying to manipulate her into re-killing herself. Yeah. So just we're gonna we're gonna frighten you so bad that you want to kill yourself. There's actually one moment where they're all coming after her, and she falls over a table, and you notice on the table that it's filled with razor blades. Yeah. So I mean, there's a dude that has testicles on his chin. Yeah. Did it's, you notice him? I only I the one that stood out to me was Elephantitis yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if that's a real condition that he had or if that was makeup prosthetics. You but. know, looking at the people, 
Um, I think that a lot of that was real. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I... There are some things there where you're like, holy shit, what the fuck is crawling out of this now? Yeah. it's And there, like I said to Maddie earlier, there are some significantly creepy moments in this movie. And I actually think this is one that's kind of gotten overlooked. Um, I don't hear many people talk about The Sentinel. I haven't heard talk about The Sentinel. I, For me, this, this is my first time watching it. Yeah. And I'm sure that I've heard of it before, for sure. I only picked like, it up a couple years ago because we did a 30 Days of Halloween. Oh, uh, yeah. And this sense. was coming out on Blu-ray at the sure. time. And I was like, oh, I have I've I know that cover, but I've never seen it. Yeah. And I'm like, meh, I'll Might just well buy it. it. Yeah. Yeah, right. I had no idea that had religious undertones. I had no idea that it involved this suicide. I had no idea Chris Sarandon was in it. Um, did you know that it involved... Uh, uh, Beverly D'Angelo masturbating in front of somebody. I, oh, we forgot about Beverly D'Angelo. Do you, um, oh, and we should also talk about the lesbian angle here because good um, point. N- all these people that are living in this house, quote unquote, living in this house, are either like they either killed someone they're or sinners. they're they're really bad sinners. Um, and two of those people are a lesbian couple. They're the weirdest lesbian couple you've ever seen, and I would never accept tea from them, um, nor watch yeah. uh, Beverly D'Angelo awkwardly masturbate in front of me, but yeah. that's fine. <laughs> you know, it is it is what it is, right? It is what it is. Beverly D'Angelo has such an interesting filmography. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she actually, did you know that she, the, the director or the writer of this movie, or the book, pardon me, wanted her in the lead role? Uh, Wow. Yeah. Huh, I don't know how that would have worked. Did not want the actress that currently had it. And she almost didn't Whoa. get the role because she was under universal control on back. That was back like when you belong to a studio. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she almost didn't get the part, but they kind of figured it out and made it work. But uh, well, and then speaking of Beverly D'Angelo, too, it reminds me that there's another guy in there from the um, who was the um, he's the grandpa in Christmas Vacation. Oh, Remember? yeah, totally. I can't remember his name right now at all, but he uh, and I can't remember even what he does in this movie. But he like he helps the lawyer boyfriend like find the information. Lawyer boyfriend, yeah. Like he he helps him find like he unlocks the the chest with him. Remember? Yeah. Um. Anyways, it's that guy that talks like this yeah. all the time. Um. um and the I, grandpa who like gets burned in Christmas Vacation. I did find it interesting that I did not see the twist coming that Chris Sarandon had conspired to kill his wife. No, his I, previous I didn't see that wife, yeah. and that he ends up being one of like the the lost souls at the end, I guess. And did you also uh, foresee Christopher Walken in this movie? No, bar- barely saying a word. It was, it was very jarring to see such a young Christopher <laughs> it's, Walken. It's so it's so strange. It's I, so I strange. think Christopher Walken is one of the most interesting looking people, without a doubt. Like I just don't know anyone without else that a looks doubt. like him. Or wait, how do you do, how do you without do the voice? A doubt. I, can't, I can't do it. You can't do it. <laughs> not, none of us. None of it. us can do it. But maybe you can. If you can, record yourself and put it on Twitter or something. <laughs> yeah. And tag us. And tag us. You know, just do it. Um, overall, I think the Sentinel uh, maybe uh, suffers from a little bit of. Um, What's the word? Confusion? Just it kind of it kind of meanders a little bit. Um, I'm I'm gonna stop using the term uh, that it's not aged well. I'm I'm done with that term. Yeah, if enough. I say it, if I say it again, let me know because Be- because it is what it is. Well, and I think that you have to take everything with when it was made. Yeah, you know what I mean. I like, mean, do any of us age well? Right, we just age. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but I, I overall really liked it. I thought the makeup effects were really good. I thought the story was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and I thought all the actors and actresses were really great. I I, I mostly like it. Um, I I think that this is um. A a great film that is a, a great candidate for uh, for a reboot. 
Yeah, um, that'd be great. That'd be great. I, I think if this was redone, I think it, it could be a lot like the way that we rebooted um, Suspiria, which I I just love to pieces, um, and I also love the original. So you know, this is a one that I think could um, could really be pretty cool if it was done today. If some of the things that it dealt with were a little more serious, yeah. If it took a keener look at suicide, um, and maybe if it wasn't so incredibly campy when it comes to the neighbors, like I think that there's some stuff that could really be done here um, in a modern reboot. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that if it was redone, they would probably take the religious angle out, and they would probably put some sort of like cult or something sure. like that yeah. in there just to avoid that narrative. Probably like a little, a little less Catholic, a little more culty. Yeah, that's that, just that what I think. That's yeah. just what I think they would. I mean, do. really, in the end, this movie is a, it's a blend of what? It's a blend of Rosemary's Baby mm-hmm. and God. What else? Um, it's got a little bit of um, a little bit of everything. A little bit of omen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. So you know, it's sort of like Rosemary's Baby plus the omen plus like like something else. You know, uh, like a haunted house story. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you say haunted house because the um the ending when she's like bouncing around all over the place with the dead people. <laughs> What I thought of immediately, I was like, it's like she went to a haunted house. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, like, like for Halloween. Like a spook house. Yeah, like, like a spook house. And she's like bouncing around everywhere and it's just like, Ooh, yeah. scare, 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 like, scare. No one's actually trying to like At kill all. her. Right. It's just like, wait, wait. And I think what that is, is that I don't think that they're allowed to kill her. I think that they have to drive her into madness enough to where she, she would kill herself. Well, and you know, that's something that could be explored in a reboot. Yeah, totally. I have one question quote written down yes. and I, I out of context i kind of don't know why i, I wrote this down but um i have it written uh what do you do for a living we fondue each other oh my god that's so fucking <laughs> it's, it's so 70s i love it you know one thing that i thought about too um when uh they show the new couple at the end at the apartment um, oh yeah and, the and people they, that are moving in. and so funny thing about that too when they go to the apartment building and it looks different that apartment building the original is actually still there I, I did look that up. Yeah, today. I did too. Yeah. Um, and another thing too about locations, I think part of it was filmed on the grounds of General Theological in New York, and I've been there. So just to mention that, oh, just um, a little plug for yourself, thing, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? It was oh yeah yeah. So when they show the the new couple the apartment, um, and they look out the window and you see the twin towers there. Oh, I know. It was really jarring to me, and I I thought about the word sentinel again as you know something that watches and keeps guard. It just looking at the towers was really it was interesting to yeah. think about it i don't know it just it just struck me just something, something to mention well great yeah. <laughs> way to take it to that place. have a good day everybody uh did you want to say anything else about no. the sentinel no i don't okay <laughs> it's like you're being questioned no it's over um what would you give the sentinel out of seven stripes because oh. here at friday the 13th we judge on a seven rainbow stripe scale seven being the best one being the worst um, we've never given a zero before, by the way. Um, <laughs> I guess I'll give the Sentinel. Um, I'll give it a four. Okay. Sure. You know, I don't think I don't think that that's that's too low for it. Um, I think it's I think it's a good movie. I think it's you know I'm not going to call it a classic, um, but I think it's a, a a good pick from the '70s that will give you a good view into um, 
sort of older horror. Yeah. Um, a nice blend of themes. Um, a great candidate for a reboot that I think could be a solid six on that scale for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think it's um, I think it's it's also a lot of fun. Like we already talked about to see a lot of really great actors in this mm-hmm. sort of at, at like the beginning of their careers. Yeah. So, um, yeah, give it a watch for sure. OK, I like it a bit more. I, I would give it like a five. OK, um, I just think it's it's so like I, I, I'm in love with the 70s aesthetic. Yeah. And I just it it falls right in line for that for me. Yeah. So I just like it that much. I love it. So, all right. Well, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back to do our feature review on 2002's Frailty. Frailty. You the agent in charge of the case? That's right. What can I do for you? I'm here because I can't live with what I know anymore. Listen, this may sound a little bit crazy, but I know who the God's hand killer is. What makes you think that? You hadn't even heard me out yet and already you doubt me. They were raised to obey their father. Go to see Homer. To love him. To trust him. Night, boys. Sleep tight. Don't let those bed bugs bite. Until. Wake up. I've got something to tell you. Hey, what's wrong? There are demons among us. I can see the demons while other people can. I'm scared, Dad. Nothing that crazy could be real. All right. Welcome back, everybody. It is our last movie of the episode. We are talking about 2002's Frailty. Maddie, why don't you give me the synopsis and the shortlist of notable characters? Thanks, Andrew. I'd love to. Here we go, folks. (laughs) So Frailty, here's the synopsis. Uh, Really shortly, it's, it's two sons who take divergent paths from their father, a widower who believes that God has sent him lists of demons disguised as humans that he has to kill. Um, he, it's, it's fucked up, man. Um, this guy believes that, that there's an angel that visits him that gives him, um, uh, this power to, to lay hands on people and to see whether or not they are a demon. Um, he instructs his sons on how to help him, um, and it's, it's honestly pretty fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was doing some research on the movie, cause I, I hadn't seen it for a very long time, probably not since it came out, to be honest. Um, I found Roger Ebert's review, which was a four star review. Okay. Ebert. He really liked it. And I actually would just like to read that. Okay. Well, um, can you tell me the main cast? First? Oh yeah, sure. 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 So main cast, there's, there's some good people in this, uh, Bill Paxton, um, directed it uh the uh and he's also in it of course mm-hmm. too he, he's the father uh the writer was bill hanley uh matthew mcconaughey is in it of course as adam um powers booth is actually one of my favorite actors he's, he's so good he's the fbi agent wesley doyle oh okay yeah, yeah uh, if you've ever seen tombstone which is like one of my favorite movies he's um i forget his name in it but he's got the big mustache <laughs> um he's really really good um, Matt, o- Matt O'Leary is young Fenton, um, and uh, Jeremy Sumter is a young Adam. Um, okay. Actually, no, 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 they have that switched around. Um, young Fenton is Jeremy Sumter. Young Adam is Matt O'Leary. Uh, Jeremy Sumter, you've probably seen him in other films. If you saw uh, Peter Pan from 2003, yeah. the mm-hmm. remake, which was lovely, such a beautiful film. Um, I cried. I still cry hard watching that. It's just, it's really beautiful. Anyways, he's in its um, really great cast. Um, really smart people. I think Bill Paxton, I don't know if this was his first, uh, I, th- I believe directing. it was. Yeah. Um, I think he did a really great job. Yeah. Um, with a, uh, with, you know, what kind of is like a little mystery story. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's one of those films that is ambiguous enough at the end that you're not quite sure, yeah. well, is this real or is it not real? Sure. And so you're left to make that choice, sort of the way that you're left to make the choice when it comes to, like, the exorcism of Emily Rose, for example. Sure. It's, um, it's the same sort of, like, legal litigation without being in a courtroom. Yeah. Um, and it's incredibly interesting. And I also think it's incredibly heartbreaking um, when you think about it, too, a little bit deeply. Um, give me that Ebert review. Yeah, sure. So uh, Roger Ebert, bless his, bless his soul, rest in peace. Um, Roger Ebert said, Heaven protect us from people who believe they can impose their will on us in this world because of what they think they know about the next. Frailty is about such a man, a kind and gentle father who is visited by an angel who assigns him to murder demons in human form. We are reminded that Andrea Yates, and this was around that same time, she's oh. the uh, the woman who, who drowned her children mm-hmm. um, because she said that she was saving them from Satan. Uh, we are reminded that Andrea Yates believed she was possessed by Satan and could save her children by drowning them. Frailty is as chilling. The father enlists his two sons, who are about seven and ten, to join him in the murders of victims he brings home. It's a terrifying story. Yeah, no. And it's very um, heartbreaking because you see at the beginning of the movie the strength of their family, even though yeah. even though it's a broken home. Yeah. Um, and how, how good of a father he is. And then and all how kind he is. Mm-hmm. Like, more than anything else, like, how many, how many of us really remember our fathers as kind? Right. It's hard. Right. Um, and this guy, the way that it's played, especially, my God, he just looks like such a nice dad. Well, and, you know, R.I.P. to Bill Paxton, too. Um, Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I forgot. Yeah. I forgot until right now, Bill Paxton. Oh, my God. (laughs) I think we just broke Maddie. (laughs) I'm watching Twisters tomorrow in the morning. Oh, good fuck. Twister. Twister sucks. I totally forgot Bill Paxton died. Keep going. Um, But, no, he does a great job being that father figure. The kids do a great job. Um, This movie's real solid, and it's super underseen. So if you haven't seen it, uh, I would encourage you to go watch it because we're going to talk spoilers here, and there's some pretty big twists and turns that happen in this movie, and you're going to want to have you're going to want to see him for yourself. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um so the movie kind of follows it's it's told in retrospect. So yes. it's told via story. Uh, Matthew McConaughey shows up at the uh the FBI. Yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and um tells his story about his childhood and about how well, his cuz he walks in saying, you know, you are you the agent uh who's looking for the hand of God killer? Yeah. And he says, "Well, I know who it is." Yeah. And um, he just tells the story about how, the, as a, as children, their father either a went crazy and um, tra- tra- murdered all these people, or b uh, actually was talking to an angel of God and took upon himself to rid the world of demons. Yeah, I mean, take it for what it's worth. But um, you know, we we talk about the story all the way through. Mm. Um, we get to the final part where um, Bill Paxton's character has essentially divided the children in half. Uh, one that super believes the younger kid and the older kid who fights against it and is not willing to help murder people. Um, he convinces his dad that he is actually on board only to trick him and kill Bill Paxton. Um, and then we kind of get a, a, a twist in the story that you think Matthew McConaughey is one character telling the story. And towards the end of the film, you learn that, nope, 
he's the other brother exactly who has also inherited either the same disease or the same gift as his father and thinks that he has to carry out the work of god by quote-unquote destroying these people that are demons and now of course the other thing is that the film does show um scenes of laying hands on you know the human slash demons or whatever and then you do see things about them like child rape yeah and people that are really bad and, and what they, did the fbi agent do he killed his mother that's why he killed his mother yeah so you know whether these are things that were just being dreamed up within the you know maybe person with a mental uh, issue or they're just a asshole criminal right um or if it was real you you don't know yeah um well and we find out that the angel of god told bill paxton that his older son yeah. is one of those demons exactly and we do find out later on in the movie that the older son um, after killing his father, developed a bloodlust and was a serial killer and killed people and hid them in his basement. My so, my kind of family. I mean, it's this movie really plays with your plays with your head because you're yeah. like, well, you just showed us that it was quote unquote real, yeah. but is it real? It, it's so confusing and it's such a mind fuck that at the end you're like Oh, my brain hurts. Well, and I think it plays with the, uh, you know, be careful what you believe from people. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's, it's just like we were talking about in the very beginning of our show today. Like, you know, people don't just do things. They learn them. And so, you know, you learn it because you listen to somebody. You learn it because you believe somebody. And, you know, this movie tells you, like, you shouldn't believe everybody because, mm-hmm. like, they're lying to you. Um, even if they don't know that they are like in this case, you know, Matthew McConaughey is lying the whole fucking time. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's a it's a movie about religion, sure, but it's a movie about mental health, I think, yes, and it's a movie about uh, ambiguity in belief and ambiguity in trust. Yeah, totally. Um, I thought yeah. it was funny that um, uh, uh, obviously the um, angel of God also told Bill Paxton that um, only children could dig graves. Yes, <laughs> I know. <laughs> They're the only ones that, that dig holes in this movie, so God told him that child labor was A-OK in his book. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that's what he, he told. Apparently, God told the Amish the same fucking thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you know, that's what's 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 crazy about it is that it's not that far off. It's not that. No, far-fetched. it's not. A, it's not a not believable story. Right. But, um, uh, you know, the, I know that the, the way a lot of people think about about abortion, you know, for example, that we talked about earlier with uh, what was his name? Um, Robert Bray or whatever. Yeah. You know, the way that a lot of folks think about abortion is that they would they would like to kill the doctors. They think that God wants them to do that. Yep. That guy thought that that's what, you know, the mm-hmm. way that it was supposed to be. Um, I'm sure that there's some of my family members that feel the same way. Right. And that if it happened, they wouldn't feel too bad about it. Um, or that, you know, like if, if somebody does something and, and, they're, and they don't agree with it, they call that person a demon. They, they do those sorts of things. You know, we allow ourselves to make demons of other people all mm-hmm. the time. Um, and when somebody's a demon, you're distanced far enough away from them that then you can do terrible things to them sure. and think that it's okay. Yeah. Um, we should mention that um, he's given special weapons oh, yes. given to him by God. Like a pair of gardening gloves. Yes. He gets uh, the three weapons are uh, a double sided axe, so a double bladed axe, a lead pipe. And, and a revolver. And glo- yeah. <laughs> Joking, it's a clue reference. <laughs> and, get it? And gloves. Yes. So um, he wears the gloves because if he touches them with bare hands, he sees their sins and then he has a reason to kill them. I, I guess, guess that's I guess that's one hole in the movie is yeah. that like, okay, so because he, he even says he's like, oh yeah, this is what the gloves are for. I'm supposed to 
use the gloves and pick them up and then take them home and then take the gloves off and then touch them. Yeah. <laughs> and then I see that they're a demon. And in my head, I was thinking, why don't you just touch them at the beginning? Like, what if what if you don't see anything? Right. Then like, you just abducted maybe someone. Maybe <laughs> you should just do it. But when you think about the plot, it's really because then he won't leave any fingerprints. Yeah, totally. So. Well, and there's also an underlying thing in this movie that's more metaphysical that um, God will protect you. Yeah. So you see that Matthew McConaughey is on camera while going into the FBI, but for some reason there's static covering up his face. Oh um, yeah, exactly. They they ab- yeah. they they abduct a man in plain daylight and are not caught. Like there's a lot yeah. of times where you think somebody's going to get caught, but they never do. Hmm. And that's another part of this that's the ambiguity that you talked about. Where it's is this real? Because you're giving me a lot of reasons to say it is. Well, you know, I think. <sighs> Yeah, I, it, it's uh, if you look at the way that he finds these these magical items, right? Yeah, you know, it's sort of like listen. If you're looking for signs, you're gonna find them, right? And it's almost the same way as as when you watch the movie. If you're looking for signs, you're going to find them. And mm-hmm. so I think that the film probably ends up being a little bit of a Rorschach test on how you feel about religion. Okay. And so if you're the type of person who is a believer. You know, you or, or not a believer, I shouldn't say that. If you're the sort of person who is, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe like not an extremist, but like a fundamentalist, for example. Okay. If you're watching this film, you might believe that, you know, he's doing the work of God. Right. And that oh, he is seeing demons. And you walk out of there, you go, you walk out of the movie and you say, mm, man, I know it. There are demons out there. I knew it. Just like this. I mean, seriously, I bet that there were people who really thought that. You know what I mean? But then there are people like you and me. Who, you know, even like, you know, you're not a person of faith and I am, but like we watch this in much the same way because we're rational and because mm-hmm. we, I don't have nearly the same beliefs as anybody else like that, for God's sake. Uh-huh, that's a pun. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, we, we come up with a very different con- conclusion yeah. that this is likely about mental health and, you know, probably about um, just some terrible thing that's wrong with these people and probably also genetic if the dad had it too. Right. So what crazy children of the corn fucking thing like switched in his brain that yeah. also switched in his son's brain as well. Um, and... Who's to say that uh, Bill Paxton's dad before him, that, you know, not part of the story, but who's to say he didn't learn it from somebody else? Yeah, we don't know. You know? Um, one, There's one shot in this movie that I wanted to highlight because I thought it was okay. so interesting. It's when they're waiting for the child molester to come out of the department store. Yes. And they're sitting yeah, in the but, van yeah. and the, the older son is having that moment of like, I don't want to do this. Like, I yeah. don't want to participate, but his dad is making him. And he has this moment where you're seeing it through his eyes and he looks, he sees the guy walk out of the store. He looks over at his father and his father is busy like reading the Bible or something. Yeah. He's reading a, a book. Um, and it's kind of, he like has a moment of like hope, like, oh, maybe he won't see him. Maybe this won't have, we won't have to follow yeah. through and then he turns back the camera turns back and we see the guy getting closer and then he turns back again and bill paxton is dead set on his eyes are on that Ugh, guy Jesus. and it is so creepy and so well done that shot alone it gives bill paxton directorial credits for yeah. me so yeah but um God, bill paxton <laughs> still still rocking your world over there uh, he was a good he was a good actor yeah a good director he was, I, I think he was a good guy um that's did, really sad he's gone did you notice that um when we see at the end that the younger son has been um uh he's been burying people in the rose garden still yeah. obviously he wasn't as good of a hole digger as his older brother because oh, yeah, it's like mounds <laughs> yes. of earth on, yes. I, 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 so yeah it's like it's years later i'm like um have those graves settled yet right <laughs> uh because that, that's not how cemeteries look for example right. like nobody's gonna walk through that rose garden and be like 
Uh, oh, one of these mounds. Mm, he's, like a, he's like about the shape of a man. I'd got real say. powerful ants up in mm, here. It's about six feet long. I must be a, you know, c- couldn't be a human under that <laughs> at all. No way. It's just oh, roses. Good. We should say that this takes place mostly in Texas, but part of it in um, the Panhandle area. Oh, good area. point. Actually, I, I didn't even think about that on this watch. Because it's like Pensacola, Jupiter, those kind of places. Oh, you mean so, in Florida? Yeah. You said Texas. No, it takes place in Texas, but they abduct people from Florida. Okay. Now, I, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with their their work there. Okay. Um, I'll just leave it. I, I, okay. That's a joke. It's, it's probably not going over. Go back well. and listen. You'll that's understand. Um, yeah. Anyways. Um, so, yeah. Texas and Florida. Okay. Yeah. Um, we should say that it takes place uh, 1979 and going on up until modern day, which at this time would be 2001. Um, I I have a good feeling with this movie. I think it's really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun to go back and watch it again. Some of the uh, godlike features, maybe, yeah. maybe they should have done um, a little differently just to make sure that they uh, were not the cgi mess because that angel looks pretty bad when they show the angel when he's underneath the car and it comes down to him with its fiery sword yeah it just doesn't look good but it's fine um uh, do you have anything else that you want to say about frailty i don't know i was, I was looking at the matthew mcconaughey looked, different. looked good he looked good he i mean doesn't that, look that was... like a tan mess yeah i mean that was after contact uh which was what that was like 98 i'm pretty sure um you know this is you know sort of like peak yeah matthew mcconaughey i appreciated like a yeah i appreciated kind of a, a shirtless uh scene yeah didn't, we didn't I need didn't it but it. i was fine uh, with it i've never been a huge matthew you know, mcconaughey person yeah he's but. just he's just sitting on his couch watching yeah. tv pants on just, yeah you know no uh that's that Texas hate. No, uh, no shirt on, drinking a beer. Um, no, I, I, th- I think it's, I think it's a good film. Um, uh, I, I think it's a, a, a serious film. Um, and I think uh, that, like I said before, I think it's sad. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's sadder than it is scary. Um, and sometimes sadness is horror. Mm-hmm. So go watch it if you haven't seen it. Absolutely. Um, what are you uh, rating this one? I, I am going to give Frailty a 5.5. I'm giving it the same. Yeah. I'm giving it the exact same. I think I think it's a good rating for it. Yeah. So I think that it's a, it's a gem out of that time in horror movies because at that time we were really still in the um, slasher uh, echoes of Scream. Mm-hmm. And I think that this was a welcomed addition to that era of horror movies i agree rest in peace bill paxton all right well we'll take our last break and we'll be right back with our hottie of the episode hottie of the episode with a twist with a twist shantae you stay 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 and we're back everybody with our closing segment of our 16th episode um and the the, the segment that we're going to do is, what is this? What is i don't this? know i'm just doing it. i've been doing weird voices all week to deal with stress um and the segment we're going to do is hottie of the episode hottie and the twist this time as well is that we're going to add something else on and it's called thoughts and prayers and we'll tell you what it is when we get there so um hottie of the episode is exactly what it sounds like and it's really not that big of a game or anything we just literally pick who we think is hot yeah 
It's easy. So go ahead. <laughs> that, that's all that it is. It's very superficial. It's fine. Who's your hottie of the episode? My hottie of the episode, no surprise, is Chris Sarandon from Duh. The Sentinel. I love Chris Sarandon. I, he's a perfect man. He had that big that's porn a, star mustache he's a, in that He's too. a specimen, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, all right, who is your hottie of the um, Mine is... Uh, Jerry Orbach from the Sentinel. No, I'm joking. Oh my god, uh, it, it's not. It's not. <laughs> it was Jerry like Law Orbach. and Order. <laughs> it is not. Um, no, uh, uh, my hot of the episode. I'm gonna. I'll, you know, I'll pick Matthew McConaughey. Okay. Like, peak peak Matthew McConaughey shirtless hotness. Um, uh, and like, who wouldn't want to like nestle up to that sweaty Texas body? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he you, looks really. You want I to. think he looks really good at the end when he's the cop. Yeah. When he's the, he's the, the sheriff. sheriff. Yeah. He's the sheriff in yeah. town. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, he's he's hot. I yeah. say yes. Let's yeah. do it. Okay, well, we're also going to add on, considering this is our, <sighs> our religion episode, we and are we, going yeah. to, ha- we're going to pick one character that we really just want to send out our honest thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers to you. <laughs> uh, my thoughts and prayers are going to uh, Bill Paxton's character, the dad. Um, you know, you're dead now. But you've got a dead character and dead person, for that matter. Um, but you've got some swaining to do some when, you, when you get to the pearly gates. Um, so I'm having thoughts and prayers for you that you think of what the fuck you're going to say to St. Peter, because it's not going to be pretty for you. There you go. All right, my thoughts and prayers go out to allison of the sentinels because oh, she now uh, went from successful model and actress to the sentinel she modeling them more with those eyes she gotta just sit there and guard the gates of hell for the rest of her existence sounds awesome thoughts and prayers allison all right so listen folks that's the end of our episode yeah episode Um, 16 just to kind of close out things like we always do um a reminder that uh independent podcasts um we don't make any money on anything literally we just do it because we love it and we do it because we love you and so um, just, you know, thinking about that, maybe right now you have time to take two minutes and go to the Apple podcast website or wherever the fuck you do it on your phone. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Click that five star review. Leave that five star. Write a review. You know what I mean? Like write some words down um, and then share it with your friends. Share it on social media. Share it on Facebook, on Instagram. Share it on Twitter. We would love to have you do that because that's how more people find out about us. Yeah. Apparently, ratings and reviews are really important. Um, and yeah. we need them and we want them. And, and you need to give them to us. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and there, there's a reason why. Um, it's not just because we, we want to be popular. Um, although, yeah, you know, honestly, like that's fun for us. Yeah. Of course totally. it's fun. Of course it's fun to, to know that people like you. That That's fucking awesome. The other part of it, though, is this, and it's what we talked about earlier on in our first segment, is that we know that there are people that listen to the show all over the world where there's terrible shit happening. Last week, do you want to know where we were really big? We were really big in Malaysia. That is insane. And that you might be going, oh, that's weird. Why Malaysia? Well, let me tell you why Malaysia, because that's where Brunei is. And Brunei is the country where the Sultan just enacted the law that is going to start stoning gay people to death. So my take on it is that people in Malaysia were probably doing whatever they could to look up gay resources on fucking anything. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, a bunch of gay dudes or a bunch of gay ladies or whatever the fuck happened upon our ridiculous podcast and started to listen to it. 
and we got on the charts in Malaysia. It makes no sense to me. And we were up there. We were like number like yeah, 40 something. This was not like a little chart thing. This was a big chart thing. Um, so all that to say, the more word about us that gets out, the more algorithm things happen to our podcast that get us in front of more people, especially more LGBT people around the world. It's important to us because the shit we talk about is not just horror in the movies. It's horror in real life. And so um, that's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to reach out to us, as, as we said earlier, we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can email us at Friday 13 at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, we do try to make it a point to, we respond, talk to respond at least to everyone. Yeah. Um, so reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to engage. Even if you, ha- if you have a story you want to tell us, sure. we, we welcome that. If you uh just want to talk to us about yeah. the movies that we just reviewed we're up for that like just That's reach out. out we want to we want to talk to you and you know and in the meantime you know just you know be prepared because we've got we have the whole rest of like the year planned out uh-huh. we, have, we have so many topics that we're going through you know especially for you lgbt folk out there in june get ready for our our new uh pride episode it's gonna mm-hmm. be awesome um so you know there's there's a lot of stuff to look forward to and we're looking forward to sharing it all with you and so with that I invite all of you, we invite all of you to get get slayed. slayed.